0: and anything that isn't current probably won't work. So if you're having trouble with a link that doesn't work, that's probably why. Head on over to photobizhelp.com forward slash links, or if you're following along at photobizhelp on Instagram, it's the link in the bio.
1: So like in copyright infringement, if you're a wedding photographer and you find that a venue has gone on your Instagram and ripped off the photo and they're using it on their billboard for their venue, I have a client this is happening to right now, The venue doesn't really have any requisite permissions to use that. Even if the client says, oh, yeah, venue, you can use it. The client probably doesn't have permissions to give. So the photographer is in this situation of going, hey, okay, I have copyright. This is my ownership.
0: This is the Photo Business Help podcast, a resource for photographers of all levels, from brand new to burnt out, who believe that business growth starts with personal growth. I'm your host, Natalie Jennings. I created Jennings Photo back in 2010 and have been happily full-time since, but not without some mistakes along the way. Those lessons, plus what's really helped me thrive financially and personally are what I wanna share with you so you can grow with your photo business too. You'll also hear stories from other photographers and industry folks, as well as my favorite ways to be more mindful and happier on this journey. This is part two of my two-part interview with Rachel Brenke of The Law Tog. If you missed part one, then you're going to want to go back before you start this one because you're going to miss all sorts of good stuff. And if you are a photographer that has questions about contracts and copyright and all the legal things, this is the episode for you. Rachel Brenke is the owner of The Law Tog, a resource for photographers wondering about all the things legal. So. Stay tuned if that resonates with you. Before we jump in, here are a couple words from folks that support the show. So if you're like most photographers, you probably didn't go into business for paperwork. Does the chaos of invoices, emails, to-dos make you a little crazy? Well, that is where 17 Hats comes in. Their all-in-one, mobile-friendly platform organizes your entire business. 17 Hats handles things like time-sucking tasks, payment reminders, capturing leads, and scheduling your meetings. With 17 Hats, important emails go out automatically. Quotes, contracts, and invoices, click, click, paid. So it's a small wonder that thousands of photographers swear by 17 Hats. You'll free up so much time from day-stealing to-dos. It's like you've cloned yourself. You'll be able to focus on what you do best, which is obviously photography. Meanwhile, 17 Hats does exactly what you need done to manage your business, just as if you were doing it. So why not clone yourself with 17 Hats? Visit 17hats.com to learn more with the discount code PHOTOBIZHELP. That's 17hats.com with the discount code PHOTOBIZHELP. After over 10 years full-time as a lifestyle photographer, I've discovered eight things that every photographer should do to build and grow a strong photography business. If you would like to learn more about the eight things that have helped me build a solid photo biz, head to photobizhelp.com forward slash eight things, that's the number eight things. To get your copy of the eight things that I've done over the last 10 years to build a successful lifestyle photography business, that's photobizhelp.com forward slash eight things. What's a starting place for people? I'm trying to bring it back to sort of like a a beginning point.
1: Yeah, yeah. So in the United States, and my disclaimer, I should have given at the beginning, I'm a U.S based attorney, licensed in the US and multiple states. This is general info, but copyright is federal, and which is awesome, which is why I get to work in so many different states. But us as creatives, we take the photograph and we have manipulated the photo with our settings when we've done our you know, editing. When we publish it, assuming we haven't contracted it away and assuming we are not working as an employee for someone else, copyright is the legal mechanism of ownership, right? It's like you get a deed for your house, you own it or a title for your car. In the United States, when you take the photograph, you've done that creative input and manipulation, you own it by common law, right? So that's great that we have that ownership. However, the issue that we're running into, and it's not just in the photography industry, but even more so with this onslaught of the way that people make memes and gifts and share photos on the internet is you're running into other companies taking your photograph because they don't want to hire a photographer or they just don't know better. And they're committing copyright infringement. So they're utilizing your owned property, your photographs without your permission. And you should be at least at a minimum beginning a licensing, you know, monies for that. A licensing fee.
0: Yeah, 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 of course.
1: So in like the wedding industry very common. We see venues doing this all the time. We see wedding dress designers. We see other florists. And, you know, how you want to approach an infringement situation is completely up to you. You can make it an education standpoint and not worry about it. You can open up the door to get a relationship with the venue. But legally speaking, and this is what I always recommend. So no matter where we are, for in copyright contracts or anything, like any sort of issues, always start with what your legal foundation or what you're required or you're able to do and then you can go customer focused or, you know, business focused from there. So like in copyright infringement if you're a wedding photographer and you find that a venue has gone on your Instagram and ripped off the photo and they're using it on their billboard for their venue. I have a client this is happening to right now. Oh no. The venue doesn't really have any requisite permissions to use that. Even if the client says, oh yeah, venue, you can use it. The client probably doesn't have permissions to give. So the photographer is in this situation of going, hey, okay, I have copyright. This is my ownership. This is my own property. Where do I go from here? And like the options I just gave, you can take it as you can full out, come out, you know, legal uh, venue, or you could take it from more of a business networking education approach. I find the majority of businesses, when they're smaller businesses, they just don't know. When it's large corporations, which are really the biggest infringers, it's not so much that they don't know oftentimes, and I'm not defending them when I say this at all. So when they use this excuse, I'm like, I don't care. Like when a large cruise line uh, told this to one of my clients, well, we use a third party marketing agency. I was like, and (laughs) it's still on your website, right? But it's just sometimes, most times when it's with major corporations, it's just a mixed signal thing. So what I'm trying to say is, Know where your legal foundation is. We have copyright at creation. You can take it a step further, and I do strongly recommend it's a bit more than this conversation here. But going to the copyright office and getting registration—it's almost like an insurance policy. So when they're infringed, you're looking at elevated damages, attorney's fees, and that sort of thing. But yeah, copyright is one of those I see so I see little bits and groups of like when you press the shutter, it's yours, and I'm like. Well, that's kind of like the high level statement. It's a little bit more than that. So just really look at the situation and go, did I contract away ownership? Am I employed by someone? If not, it's mine. And then look at how you're going to protect it and kind of make a general idea, game plan of what you're going to do when it gets infringed. Because that's the number one issue that I'm seeing for photographers right now is copyright infringement.
0: That makes sense. And do you find that, I mean, because of attorney's fees and going full bore legal that like, Some folks won't do that unless they're they can sort of make their money back in terms of the investment to go after people. I I think that's something I've seen in groups where it's like, well, it's I mean, you know, you'll hear like people sending cease and desist and stuff like that. But like, yeah, as far as the financial investment and getting it sorted out, it seems like it wouldn't be worth it unless it was like a big maybe not not worth it. But like I can see why people avoid kind of going down that road.
1: Yeah, you know, it's difficult because, you know, I do a lot of this work for photographers. Y'all come to me when you find it in French and we walk through, is it registered, unregistered? Is this a client that's done it or is a completely unrelated third party? Typically, it's going to be an unrelated third party. Sometimes your client may take, you know, you took photos of them on their wedding day and it has a personal print release. And all of a sudden they're using it on their business cards to market their real, real estate agent company, you know. Real, your real, their realtor brokerage, whatever. That would be exceeding the scope. And that could be infringement. But I really see it's these large corporations that are taking it. And they do, you run into this. This is a conversation we have to have is, is this worthwhile? So we're going to look at things like, who is the infringer? Just because they're a large corporation doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get more. In fact, I was That's just true. talking about this with my lead paralegal this morning. I was like, You know, we don't really know what, unless we've dealt with the party before, the opposing party, the infringing party, we don't really know what they're going to do. We've had some mom and pop shops resolve um, infringement for more than a large corporation would, but it's because they're in that situation, the mom and pop shop that was the infringer, they're on this like defense of a cost benefit, right? Is it better for them to have to pony up and pay a lawyer? or just pay you and you're also as the photographer running through the whole situation you don't want to be upside down or even just break even necessarily so you know that's a tough conversation but just oh my point with that is don't assume because it's Walmart or Airbnb or any of those that you're it's deep pockets get a payday I see that in groups all the time and that's not really accurate so much that's a good point you have money to fight it
0: Yes. I'm just agreeing like they, yeah. that's that's the kind of root of that that comment I made is like remembering that like it's not necessarily like what you might get back, but they're going to have endless resources compared to
1: mm-hmm. maybe
0: what you're able to provide for yourself.
1: But even more so it goes into the facts of the case. So it depends on was the photograph used in like a passive Instagram post with low engagement, or was it used very directly in a Facebook ad that links to a booking page? One of the situations that comes up for me, and this is really an outlier, a client that I, a photographer that I represented was against a major uh, hotel chain in the tourism industry is like notorious for infringement. But so I've had quite a few infringements against them now. So I kind of know what they're going to do. But they're very much, if you come to them with these are the facts of the case, this is the recovery, they'll just cut a check because they know that they're gonna end up working with me. They know that we're not gonna let it go and they're gonna keep having to spend time. But you know, you have some companies who won't even entertain a demand later, they won't entertain an invoice. And so I'm glad actually you asked this because when you have an unregistered photograph, you're in a much weaker position. So I always recommend, you know, the key photos that you're using in your marketing stuff that people have indicated is a valuable photo to them. maybe a venue has reached out to you and said hey can I use that you say no that might be something you might want to register because you might find it on a billboard the next week you know start the the lawyer answer is to register all the photographs but financially and practically speaking start with the priority ones the ones that you're most known for the ones you distribute the most online and then go from there so that you can hedge your bets when infringement happens because it's going to happen
0: that's great advice because that was my next question, <laughs> You know, especially with lifestyle and wedding photographers, you know, we're delivering a lot of images and depending on what your packages are, I've, that's a whole other episode, but I, I don't deliver nearly as many, not even a fraction of what I used to, but it's still a thing, you know, it's, it's, it is a, an expense to be able to register everything. And I think that's really good advice.
1: And I wouldn't recommend jumping if you're just getting into business and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what an LLC is. Don't even worry about this copyright stuff right now. I would get your head around the first two buckets of like legal business setup and your contracts first. And then and that's why I have it in that order on our roadmap, then come around to copyright, because since you have common law protections for copyright without having to do any registration and such, you can wait till an issue comes up and then get educated. Like, you know, if you want to be proactive, fine, but I'm just kind of giving you permission not to feel so overwhelmed with this conversation we just had and really just focus on the legal business and contract stuff if you're just starting out, if you're, you know, or you're just wanting to make sure that you have that liability protection over there and then move into the copyrights. That's stuff.
0: great advice. And I like that you have it kind of in an order of, you know, like things to do first and obviously registration and getting all your legal business set up stuff is, is important. So
1: oh, girl, I feel the same way about my own photos and I own a law firm that does this. And I'm like, I'm going to register my photos.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. I love it.
1: One more admin task to do, you know,
0: yeah, no, absolutely. And that's uh, there's there's topics that come up where I'm like, and that's another episode, but you know, getting You know, getting to a point where you have a team that can help you do things that take a lot of time and a lot of energy, but
1: we'll do it for you guys if you want. I mean, it's it's relatively low cost and easy to do on the copyright.gov website, but we do it for especially wedding and real estate photographers because they do such high volume, Mm -hmm. and so we'll manage all the registrations for them. But I get it; like starting out, you may not have the money to invest in that, and so that's why I, you know, looking at allocation of money start with the liability protection of like your entity setup your contracts and especially liability insurance
0: well and so these sorts of things are very readily available on is it the com? yes ma'am that's the url so i would i would highly recommend if you're listening to this to head over there you said that there, there was like a little free map is there a, is that kind of right when you show up on the site
1: Yep. Free legal roadmap. We also have the start here page that has it and you'll see it literally one, two, three broken down just how I've explained it. And then it goes in a little deeper for you to really know like what's under checklist or what's under each of those. But yeah, because the biggest question I always get is where do I even start? And it's like, well, which part do we want to start with? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I used to use the metaphor when I was teaching, when I first started teaching a few, quite a few years ago of like a kind of like a tree where it's like you really need to get your foundational pieces. Like you can't be thinking about the decorations, like the the fruit and the, you know, like before you have like a foundation. And I think anything that's foundational is is a good place to start.
1: Agreed. I mean, and not to throw a wrinkle in this, but even like the legal business setup, like there's we I mentioned it briefly earlier, like privacy laws, and there's marketing, there's fair trade practices that you need to make sure that you're compliant with, and so that just makes your head go if you're just trying to choose like LLC or corporation. But it's important because you're probably marketing right now in order to get money to set up your LLC, but then you're like, oh, crud, I could be marketing illegally. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, so it's, but you do what you got to do, right? You got to take it step by step. And, sure. you know, it's almost like sharks and minnows. You know, a lot of people say, oh, "Is the government going to come after me? And it's like, well, for taxes, they definitely will. But some of this, a lot of this other stuff, you know, you're not necessarily going to have the Federal Trade Commission trolling your Instagram, checking stuff out. But where all this comes to a head is when there's a client issue. Like, say that I'm representing a client against a business photographer I'm not only going to look at maybe what the breach of contract situation is, I'm going to start looking at how can I pierce the LLC to them personally? How What are they marketing illegally? What can what all can I throw at this other party to make them settle or resolve this situation? And that's where a lot of these things that I talk about on the roadmap and beyond is that's where they start coming up. So I share that to say, don't get in the mindset of being like, oh, I'm so little, the FTC won't care about me. It's not the FTC. It's whenever you get a rogue, crazy client or someone that has a very savvy attorney, that's when that sort of stuff pops up. And we just want to avoid it. So let's just avoid it.
0: Yeah, we
1: just want to avoid it. That's that's a good way
0: (laughs) That's a good way of wrapping it up. Well, before we jump off, I just, I always like to ask folks, do you have a kind of a piece of advice or something that you always turn to like a little phrase or just like sort of like just something that you that's helpful for for you that might be helpful for other people to keep in mind?
1: I think it's a mindset that can be applied to a a lot of different things. It's the, uh, it'll never happen to me or let me do it on the cheat mindset is one of the most expensive mindsets you can have. I'm not saying go blow thousands of dollars on an attorney, you know, start incrementally. Um, in the Law Talk group on Facebook, I it, girl, if I had a penny for every time that a post started, never thought this would happen to me, I'd be owning an island by now because it's easy to fall into that as an entrepreneur because you're wearing so many hats, juggling so many balls and legal's not sexy. But guess what's not sexy? a lawsuit and paying money and taking that away from your business. So just, I get it. the marketing, all that's a lot more fun. And you want to have this mindset of I'm too small, it won't happen. Uh, that's a very expensive mindset to have. And I hate having those conversations when, you know, you come to my law firm or I hear you went to another lawyer, of stuff that really could be prevented. So and you can apply this mindset to marketing or anything else, you know, you got to put a little blood, sweat, and tears into money, it's an investment. It's all an investment. And, you know, in the double-edged sword of this is being an entrepreneur, you get to choose what you want to do well, that also goes where you get to choose how much effort, energy you put into certain things. And so it's just really being um, in integrity and accountability to yourself and making sure that you follow through. And I know that sounds like easier said than done. When I started out, I didn't have two nickels to rub together. So that's why I really try to present th- things in priority order of like this is how. And if you come to my law firm, we do a whole legal strategy plan and we do the exact same thing. I'll tell you, this is priority order of what I think you should do so you can allocate financially and physically you just got to chip away at it. You know, it's one of those things you've got to get through it. And it sucks. I get it. That's why I try to make it fun. But at the end of the day, lawyers are lawyers. Nobody likes us. But I hope that I maybe convinced you a little bit to put um, in some and I think was also important here. I know this is a really long answer to your question. No, it's great. Is don't just blindly go trust a professional servicer, a CPA, lawyer, and all of that. I really want to, within this whole mindset of doing things right, equip yourself with the information so that you, as the head of your business, can make the proper decisions, right? You know, my clients come to me and they say, Well, what do you think? And I'll say, Here's my recommendation, but it's you, this is your business. You go to sleep with this at the end of the night. I don't. I close my laptop, even though I love my clients to death. Um, but it's really you need to be able to be well equipped. I've had my own situations where I've hired CPAs and they're I knew they weren't giving me the full extent of recommendations because I had already equipped myself with knowledge. I already knew that stuff. And so it's a checks and balances and so it's even a, an example like that. If you're going to go to a CPA, don't just blindly hand it all over. Same thing with a lawyer. Equip yourself with the knowledge because knowledge is problem. knowledge and experience. This is such a cliche, but knowledge and experience And testing it out are really going to be what's going to make or break you in your business, honestly.
0: Yeah. And, and I, I like going back to sort of what you said to just, it can be so overwhelming to get everything going and just one step at a time. And you will get every, just because you don't have like XYZ all ironed out because you're trying to register your LLC doesn't mean like something horrible is going to just like one step at a time. You'll, if you're diligent about it and, You'll get it figured out, you know, you'll get it set up.
1: I think we should be thankful. We've said it a couple of times that we're in an industry that has very low barrier to entry, right? You know, you have, if you own a restaurant, you've got to shell out tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars for equipment and for licensing and certifications and all this sort of stuff. So I feel like if we really do approach this of a mindset of this is a business and I'm going to make it happen, and I'll tell you what. And you probably saw the exact same thing during pandemic. I can't tell you how many of my business consulting clients or even just photographers at the law talk group would say, I'm so happy that I had gotten into business before pandemic, even though we were shut down, they were able to get creative and do like cross marketing and do like product photography and that sort of stuff. It still was a difficult time, but so many were so thankful that they weren't in a career that was beholden to someone else's direction and being shut down. And so we saw, I mean, if anything, look to pandemic of how there were a lot of legal issues that came about too. And those that had been proactive had a lot less stress during that time and catch up. Anyway.
0: Yeah, you're right about that. That's a really good point. Again, back to that government regulation. And um, it is a lucky, it's a lucky industry to be in, in that res- regard, for sure.
1: Fun one too. So yeah, it's so fun. Around, we love it. <laughs> yes. Well, so where, are, where's the best place
0: for folks to find you? I mentioned the URL, but give me the sort of basic couple spots to, to send people.
1: Yeah, the thelawtalk.com. It's got that free roadmap. Then we've got the Facebook group. Um, and I'm pretty active on Instagram and YouTube as well.
0: Awesome. Thank you Rachel. This is an awesome conversation.
1: Of course, if you guys have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out.
0: Yes, please do that. You've like I love just going through your website cuz there's just like a million things to look at. So, um thanks again and I hope to have you back again sometime soon. So, thanks.
1: Fantastic. Thanks.
0: And that's a wrap with Rachel. I hope you enjoyed both of these episodes. There is so much in here. Remember to check out thelawtalk.com if you feel like you need more information and you want to check out what Rachel's doing. There's show notes as well to help you find her and everything that she has offered. I'll be back, as always, every Tuesday and Thursday with new episodes for you. Have a wonderful rest of your week. One more quick reminder, if you're feeling overwhelmed right now, disorganized, check out 17 Hats. You'll be able to focus on what you do best, photography. Meanwhile, 17 Hats does exactly what you need done to manage your business, just as if you were doing it yourself. Go to photobizhelp.com forward slash 17 hats to get 50% off your first year. And remember, in everything you want to achieve, consistency is key.